Hello and welcome to Technology and the Arts, a podcast exploring the connections between technology and art. This is your co-host, Brian Kelly. Episode 65 of the podcast features lightly edited audio from a live Google Plus Hangout on Air, conducted September 10th, 2013. In this installment, we talk about the virtues of Chromebook and PGP, or Pretty Good Privacy, the great new album Warm Blanket from indie musician Dent May, the oxymoron, or hot ice cream maker, made exclusively for Spain's Rocambolesque ice cream shop, and the fantastic design podcast, 99% Invisible. All that and more is just ahead on Technology and the Arts for Friday, September 20th, 2013. Now, here are your hosts, Brian Kelly and John Lamazny. Hello and welcome to another episode of Technology in the Arts. My name is Brian Kelly. And I'm John Lamazny. Thank you for joining us, John. How are you doing today? I'm doing very well, Brian. How are you? Doing great. Thanks. What you been up to? Uh, there's a couple things I want to talk about. Uh, it is September. We're very excited about September, and uh, we started classes at Rider University, which is a new, uh, for me, it's, uh, we have a new class in the Master of Arts in Organizational Leadership, which is the program that I graduated from, and it is media and uh, technology for organizations, and we just started getting uh, posts coming back from new students who I met last Tuesday. I'll see them again tomorrow night. And I'm very excited about the posts that are coming in. And uh, we are using WordPress in order to do this work, and I'm really excited about it. And th there is a certain power that we are able to exchange with each other about the way that we can use WordPress to communicate and the, the fact that all these students had no idea what WordPress was was such a beautiful moment in that first class because I felt like I was really allowing them to begin to taste a real passion that I have for certain kinds of technologies. Uh, Princeton Public Library also, I have a couple classes that are going on this semester uh, at Princeton Public Library, and those classes are free to the public. Uh, if you are interested in those classes, you can subscribe to lamazny.com. Uh, whenever I have a class, I usually uh, post it there. And we're talking about things like Evernote. We had a class on Evernote last week and um, introduced, we had a packed house, about 20 people, and we talked to them about the uh, the beauty of using that tool in order to capture pages, capture photos, capture voice, uh, do optical character recognition. It was beautiful. I'm also teaching at a Princeton Adult School. If you are interested in uh, learning with me for uh, graphic design or learning how to use something like WordPress in depth or um, Related topics, the kinds of topics that I talk about all the time, go to PrincetonAdultSchool.org and sign up for classes. These are not free. These are uh, very low-priced classes, though, between uh, $15 and $25. And uh, finally, I wanted to tell you a story today. Uh, I went to Rossmore, which is a adult community 
and they have a beautiful group of people who get together to work on computers and uh, talk about technology. I was able to give them a presentation about the Chromebook and I brought my Chromebook with me and sat down uh, at 10 o'clock when I was about to start my presentation and realized that they did not have internet access. Uh, and they normally do, uh, but they did not have internet access today. So it was either, you know, call off the presentation or essentially, you know, go by memory and discuss what it is I love about the Chromebook. And I said, let's talk about the Chromebook. And I started my conversation by saying, you know, the one thing that you really need in order to make this device a truly powerful device is internet access. And we don't have that today. So you're going to have to use your imagination in order to see, you know, what the power of this is. And I asked them questions like, you know, who here is a video editor or who here uses Photoshop in order to edit their photos or who here is a programmer or who here is a, uh, et cetera. And nobody raised their hand. Everybody is a typical computer user. They use email, they use YouTube, they use all the things that you would expect to use on your typical uh, computer interface. And as a result, I was able to, I, I think, very convincingly uh, show them that the Chromebook would be a perfect $250 device to replace their main desktop machine. And, you know, they said, well, what about Microsoft Office? You know, and I said, well, there's this great thing called Google Drive. And you're able to write documents and you're able to export to Word documents and you're able to make presentations and you're able to work on Excel spreadsheets with formulas. And um, I, I asked them to sort of give me, like, you know, their hardest problem or their, their favorite application. And I gave them a lot of cloud-based examples. And uh, it was just a fantastic time. The, the, the fact that the internet was down was sort of a beautiful thing after a moment, because I was able to keep referring to that as sort of a joke, you know, like, uh, we don't have internet access or else I'd be able to show you, you know, my entire music collection, or we don't have internet access or else I'd be able to show you every photo I've ever taken in the last 10 years. Uh, it, it was a really fun, really great presentation. So um, that was Ross Moore. But anyway, there's a lot of stuff going on. If you're interested in uh, coming and learning with me, there are both free options at Princeton Public Library, and there are uh, for pay options uh, through Riding University if you're interested in credit, or Princeton Adult School if you are interested in simply uh, learning in a multi-week uh, constructed way. What's going on with you, Brian? Uh, nothing much. Uh, I just wanted to mention, I, it was something I wanted to talk about uh, last week, but I took it out <laughs> because we had so much going on. But uh, I just wanted to uh, plug one of my favorite indie artists. Um, Dent May is a songwriter, musician from Oxford, Mississippi that I uh, discovered on SiriusXM. Any relation to Harvey Dent? No. no. Okay. I, I discovered him a few years ago, and and actually at the time his uh his debut album I guess was um uh, it was Dent May and his magnificent ukulele or something like that. It was mostly ukulele music, 
but it was it was fun. It was catchy. It was it was, it was quirky. But there was a bonus track called East Over Wives that they played on uh, one of the Sirius XM like the kind of emerging artist channels, and it was like this kind of Casio-fied, uh, lo-fi kind of bossa nova lounge music meets Beach Boys thing. Same like Bill Murray, basically in the seventies. I loved it. Yeah, but it, it it's with an indie tinge. Oh. And and I loved it. And I mean, keeping up with him and everything he's put out, I I absolutely adore. And he has a new album out called Warm Blanket, and uh, he actually recorded it in a mansion that's supposedly haunted. Uh, in St. Augustine, Florida. So, um, when I check that out, it's warm blanket. I'll put links to it in the show notes and, uh, links to his, uh, website and SoundCloud pages. So you can listen to some samples, but I really love his music and I like to uh, actually, uh, you know, they don't even play them on XPN, um, that often, but one night I was, uh, I was, as we have uh, a radio on in the kitchen, like that has XPN on almost all the time. And, um, I was in the kitchen working late one night and they had this like indie, uh, rock, uh, show. I think it's on like late Friday nights. And all of a sudden I'm like sitting there and the song's like a third of the way through. And I'm like, I'm like, Oh wow. <laughs> XPN's playing Dent May. And I tweeted it. And, uh, the guy who hosts the show, he's like, he's like, yeah, damn right. Or something like that. Uh, so I guess, uh, he, he's a fan too, but, uh, you know, I'd like to hear more on XPN. The other thing is we keep on talking about these things that we really can't talk about, but this past week. Yeah, I'm pretty sure we are a target now of yeah. the NSA. Yeah, well, no, I mean, things that we can't talk about them because they're not finalized or they're oh, things that we just, you know, those yeah. type of things. I mean, you had your, you know, your, your projects going on. Yeah, uh, still going I, on. Yeah, and I have, uh, you know, the cover of Yoko Ono's. Silver Horse that I played accordion on that nothing has been announced yet uh, that my friend Christian Beach uh, recorded. Uh, so anyway, I, I have to just be careful how I say this, but I have I had an opportunity or an opportunity is within my grasp. That would be the opportunity of a lifetime for me. And I think the first step went extremely well, and I'm I'm hoping I get one more chance to to kind of seal the deal uh, on this uh, professional opportunity that um, I have this uh, chance to attain. So I'll just put it that way. But it'd be it'd be amazing. <laughs> If I wound up at this place, <laughs> I'll just say that. You know, when we do this, we really ought to consider just, like, letting go and, like, explaining the whole situation and throw caution to the wind. But I don't think that we're that kind of podcast. Right. And, I, I you know, and I just, I don't want to jinx myself if I say it <laughs> publicly. But, um, but I'm, I'm, I'm hopeful. I'm very hopeful. I, I, I thought it went well. I believe uh, in you, Brian. I believe uh, in you. Meanwhile, my current situation, I have clients driving me up a wall today. <laughs> I, I was working for two hours in a Wawa parking lot in North Jersey today. Oh, that sounds like a joy. Yeah, yeah, it's it's great, yeah. 
laptops running on low battery and uh, you're connected to uh, the internet via uh, the iPhone. Have yeah. you ever run down your car battery using a laptop and a 12 volt uh, AC-DC adapter? No, I've never. In the middle in. of a uh, storm that has taken out the East Coast. No, no, I've never run my laptop on. Yeah, I I did that once. That was fun. Damn. Yeah, I I just, I just I, you know I knew my laptop wasn't going, and we didn't have our router anyway, so uh, I uh, you know I didn't need my laptop to do anything. So I just you know as long as my phone was charged, I was charging my phone in the car, but. Uh, but we were only without power for, for, I don't know, just a little over 24 hours. I think it was like 27 hours. So, um, yeah, but that's, uh, that's all about, yeah, that's all can, about. Can you say anything about the visit that you made today that I'm aware of? <sighs> we, uh, that was really stupid too. First of all, I couldn't find, I wound up, I couldn't find the place. It was in. Isn't the there a big red X all over the land? No, like, it was it was in the middle of no. Okay, so uh, I was asked to attend a tour that you're the, gonna have to bleep this out later. You yeah, understand? I, I was asked to uh, attend a uh, a tour uh, that was being uh, done by a congressman and some EPA officials in North Jersey. Uh, EPA? What's the EPA? The Environmental Protection Agency. Oh, what, why were they involved? Because they were they were EPA Superfund sites. Oh, what, what's a Superfund site? They're they they're in need of cleanup from contamination. What kind of contamination? Groundwater. Oh. And uh, it I sounds I, dangerous when you like. TCEs and PCEs, but don't don't even ask me to to pronounce what the chemicals are. Okay. But, uh, so anyway, uh, I I think that there was they were supposed to meet at this one place, and it was in the middle of nowhere on this wooded road near a lake, and the address that was provided there was nothing there. And then I'm trying to drive around to find where this place might be. And I'm like coming up on all these U.S. Army installations. At one point, I turned around in a driveway, a gated off, you know, driveway, and the sign outside was like uh, U.S. Army Railgun Testing Facility. And I'm like, I'm going to get arrested by Homeland Security because I'm I have no idea where I am, and I look like an idiot. But uh, and then at the same time, one of my one of the other clients I'm working for had like this emergency we had been given approval to put up a website for them and we were asked to take it down by the corporate end because it turned out the person who gave us approval did not have the authority to do so so it was a crazy day i, I wound up having a i, I left I, I drove by one building that may have been the place i was supposed to go but i didn't see anybody there and maybe they left by then but i had to do this other thing anyway i went i i drove about 10 minutes back where I was uh, when I got off the highway, there was a mall. So I went there, parked, and made. Uh, I took down the site. Then uh, a colleague of mine got the phone number of somebody who was on the tour, and they were giving me the, like, the next address of the tour. So I, I wound up 
following it and catching up to it for the last two stops, but it was totally worthless. Like the reason why I was asked to go had nothing to do with what this tour was. It was, it was so, it was such a waste of time today. Uh, but okay. Anyway, so it's a long day. I'm tired. And so it is going to be a mess. This podcast will be a mess just to warn you. Okay. <laughs> but that's that's all I have today. I, I didn't take any pictures. There was really nothing to see unless you wanted to see a, a series of water treatment facilities that all look the same. Well, I, it would have been nice. Yeah. yeah. Um, all right. So, John, what, what, do you, what do you want to talk about tonight? So uh, there's two topics I want to talk about. I want to talk about uh, PGP. Because uh, we had talked recently about the idea of uh, the NSA and a certain loss of our freedoms as Americans. And in particular, uh, the ability for the NSA to very easily come in, intercept our emails, intercept our, uh, our web history and be able to see exactly what it is that we're looking at and make judgments based on that. And I don't think that that's right. I, I just personally don't. Uh, I don't necessarily have anything to hide, but I don't necessarily like having to hide my activity uh, and being and having it interpreted. So, we are entering really a very scary time. And uh, one of the profits, I think, of this oncoming loss of privacy is Leo Laporte, who uh, runs a podcast network in California and I feel like is endangered by his speaking out about the NSA. But I think it's also incredibly important that he does he, he reminds us of our freedoms. And um, we, we, you and I, pay attention to people like him for a different reason, because he uh, is in pursuit of the ways in which we share technology and share uh, the arts. But he also is very interested in the way in which we protect our freedoms, because his freedoms are threatened by this change and our freedoms are threatened by this change. So uh, one of the ways that we can combat this is by implementing security features like PGP. PGP is pretty good privacy and uh, you can implement it on email, for example, with a traditional email client like Thunderbird by either installing an application that allows you to easily share your PGP keys. Keys are essentially uh, strings of uh, letters and numbers that allow you to encrypt your content and you share your public version of your key and you hold on to your private version of your key. And because of that combination of those two keys in which you hold on to one and you share one, uh, people who implement PGP on their end are able to have a completely encrypted channel between them and you. Uh, this is a case where you would take it on, take it upon yourself 
to implement this security feature. And it's not especially successful because most people, when they hear this description of the way in which you can encrypt your email, say, I can't do that. I, I can't even get my clock to stop blinking on my VCR. How can I implement PGP? Alternatively, though, if you and I are both using Gmail, uh, for example, we can both turn on uh, TLS encryption on uh, in our settings. And then the emails that come from me and go to you and come from you and go to me are encrypted in transit. It doesn't mean that they're completely secure because it's very possible that the NSA is uh, grabbing that content that travels and possibly at, at some time in the future, interpreting or breaking that encryption. Uh, and that's true really of any encrypted content. However, uh, that doesn't mean that we should not enforce our rights as private citizens to uh, be able to have private conversations. And we've already seen in news items about the NSA and the way that they comment on funny conversations between people uh, that they are abusing their powers. And as a result, you know, we have to strengthen our protection against those abuses. I, that This is completely my feeling. I, I don't, I'm not speaking for Brian, and I'm certainly, certainly not speaking for any other entity which I represent, uh, such as those that I mentioned earlier in the podcast. But I think that we deserve privacy. I think that we deserve to have freedom. And uh, we are migrating from a time in which privacy and freedom were protected to a time in which privacy and freedom are endangered. And uh, that's very sad, but it doesn't mean that it is a given. It just means that we need to learn new things in order to continue to protect our privacy. Um, we must, because we are moving towards essentially a surveillance state, if we are not already there. Uh, that is debatable. But we are moving towards a surveillance state, and most surveillance states do not return to a state of privacy after the fact. Right. And, you know, when you mentioned the surveillance state, you know, it, it just brought to mind uh, you know, the movie uh, Enemy of the State. Um, what was that, from 1999, I believe? There are several movies that herald this change. Yeah, and that was, you know, all about how, you know, the government can basically, you know, snoop on anybody. And uh, the prison project is incredibly scary. Yeah. It, and it, it allows the government to essentially uh, capture and interpret as they wish any uh, plain text transfer of data. And but I mean, it's not supposed to work that way. But they're 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 not following, you know, the protocols that that were set up for that. I mean, they're they're going way beyond, you know, what they are legally entitled to do, which is still wrong in, in a lot of cases. But I mean, the, and the thing with going through, um, you know, love letters, uh, you know, going uh, snooping around. Uh, 
old flames and uh, X's and crushes. And it, it's, it's really unimaginable that it's not unimaginable, I guess. I, I, I guess I always did imagine it happening as a paranoid person by nature, but uh, it, I mean, it's, it's just, it's not right. It is amazingly not right. The paranoia that you have is going to serve you well in the next 10 to 15 years. It's, it, we, we are just on the verge of an incredibly different way of thinking, a different way of living than we do uh, enjoy right now. All right. Yeah, you, you are correct. And, uh, and you know, I, I, I kind of accept, accept uh, you know, to an extent what, what the government has to do, but what they're doing is just, it's, it's immoral, it's, it's wrong. Yeah, you know, I agree. What, what they're doing, it's you know they. I know they have a job to do. They're they're and they also have to, you know, try to listen in on things to to you know for security reasons. But you know, you, you, the more and more you hear about this, it's it, 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 it's 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 basically become uh you know legalized hacking, you know, by the government. You know, they they have this technology. And they have these rules that they're supposed to follow, but they're they. It's almost like they're they're pushing it based on some kind of you know hacker code or something. Like, oh well, I got this much information. Let me see what else I can uh, break and what else right. I can get into. And and it's it's and now and, now it's out of control. It's just out of control. And in information sources where. Uh, there is a resistance, like Google is especially resistant to sharing this data. Uh, they just capture it downstream, and, and they just uh, hold on to it until they have the ability to decrypt it. And it's, right. it's a really scary time. It is. So uh, the other thing that I want to talk about is I wanted to extend my conversation about uh, the Chromebook. Because there were a few beautiful moments today where I felt like I was able to explain why the Chromebook is such a great investment for $250. Uh, I bought both of mine used, and I bought them for $100 a piece. And what's beautiful is I feel completely confident uh, that I could lose them easily. I could hand it over to somebody else and either have them use it legitimately without ever seeing my data or uh, use it illegitimately and try to crack into my account. And because I have a really good password, it would be some work for them to get into my account and be able to see anything. So um, I compared this with a MacBook Pro where you know, you might also have it encrypted, but uh, because the hard drive on this device is so small, it's essentially 16 to 32 gigabytes for the Chromebook, uh, you get into the habit of not sh saving things there. You save things in the cloud where it's also encrypted and encapsulated to some degree. Whereas if you get my hard drive, you can get things that I've downloaded, but nothing else, unless you have my password. And you don't have my password. So uh, the best 
password that I have is going to take you some time to crack into because it's not a password. It's a best phrase. And it's, it's going to take some time. Now, if I am silly and uh, provide a way for you to capture my password in the clear, then that's problematic. But for the most part, I don't do that. And most of my uh, traffic is encrypted. My traffic to WordPress is encrypted. My traffic to Google is encrypted. And I use two-factor authentication. Uh, in, in the event you are not familiar with uh, two-factor authentication, uh, what it is is you, you turn it on in services that provide it, like Google. And uh, what it does is it provides one factor in which you know something and one factor in which you own something or are something. Uh, fingerprint authentication is an example of uh, two-factor authentication. If you had to type in a password and then press your thumbnail uh, your, your thumbprint to a sensor. In my particular case, uh, what happens is, uh, I'll give you an example. I had to print something out, and I don't have a printer here because I don't believe in printing. Every once in a while, I need to print something so that I can sign it and send it to somebody so that they have some proof uh, that I truly believe in this thing. You know, it's kind of silly, really. But uh, I had to do it. I had to print something out and send it. So I went to Staples, and the document that I needed to print was in Google Drive. And I sat down at the computer in the Staples and uh, logged in. And the first thing it presented me with was, what is the code that uh, Google sent you to prove that you are who you say you are? And because I had... Uh, bad connectivity where I was at the time, they were not able to send me the code. I didn't get the code until later. And what it proved to me was that even my myself, knowing all of my secrets, what, I was not able to get into my account at that time because the uh, connectivity was not there for me to do that. But even if the connectivity was there, I would still have to have my phone in my hand in order to receive a text message in which I would get my content in order to plug that into the this machine in order to prove that I was who I said I was. So two-factor authentication is another fantastic way to protect your uh, privacy and protect your content against prying eyes. If I was to hand my Chromebook over to somebody without having a password in place, uh, they might very well, uh, if I did not have two-factor authentication, for example, they might very well open up my laptop, have full access to my content, and uh, I would deserve losing my content if somebody got that access. But because I have this two-factor authentication, they would be prompted for a password that they would never have because I have the phone in my pocket. So not only did they need to know what I have in my mind, they need to be able to see what I have in my pocket. It's such a beautiful combination of protections against uh, somebody getting access to my content. Uh, another note that I brought up in my talk today was that uh, at the recent Black Hat 
com uh, a security conference, there were something like 72 operating systems that were tested, that were uh, penetration tested. And every one except for Chrome OS was penetrated. Chrome OS wow. uh, stood against it. Cool. Yeah, very cool. Cool stuff. I, I uh, remember uh, this pipe a couple of months ago, or it was before we, we brought back the podcast, but I, remember, I think it was on uh, Gizmodo, but somebody wrote this post that yeah, talking about, oh, you know, I was shocked because I was working in Chrome and realized that my passwords are, are out in the open when I'm logged in. Firefox. It's like, and like, what if I give that? And I'm like, why are you giving your computer to somebody? I mean, when you're logged in, I mean, it's like you're supposed to be a tech writer. You know, that's like the worst security move you could ever make is handing your computer to somebody. And, you know, when you're while you're logged in, it's like, oh, well, I shouldn't have to do that. And people were like killing them. It's like, dude, that's like idiotic. So it was just funny that, you know, it, you know, why, why would you knock Google for the way they handle that? I mean, it's, you're the one who's handing your computer to somebody. Exactly right. Uh, anything else, John? Uh, no. What, what do you have to uh, share in focus? Uh, just a couple of uh, quick things. Uh, one of which was something uh, I wanted to talk about last week and I took it out at the last minute because we had so much going on, but, um, it is, <laughs> this was something I was on Gizmodo a while back, but I actually, uh, it was actually from, uh, Andre Carula. Andre the Andrew, Giant? Andrew, Andrew. no. Oh. Sorry, no, sorry. See, it's late and I'm, my, my eyes are, my eye, I don't know if you've noticed, my eyelids are like falling down. It's, and it's I, not I that did I'm, notice. I, I was pretty sure you were asleep for my Yeah, I, I know because it, it, cause my contact. I, I, you know, I didn't, I didn't take it personally very, very much. I was trying to open my bit. eyes to make you see uh, that I was awake, but. A little my, bit. My my let my eyeball my eyelid Brian, is so heavy saying, at this. You know, if you if you want to go to sleep, you know, I, I understand. It's yeah, I know. So, uh, so anyway, Andrew uh, Andrew Carulla, uh, yeah. uh, I guess uh, Andrew uh, Andrew Carulla Studio uh, posted this um, machine that they are making for uh, Rocambolesque, which is uh, the ice cream shop offshoot of uh like, let's see if i get this right el seller de canroca in spain which is the reigning best restaurant in the world according to restaurant magazine uh it won the award this year but uh carula's studio makes this hot ice cream maker which he actually calls the oxymoron maker because of it's hot ice cream uh, and this is actually the Oxymoron Maker, Oxymoron Maker 2. That's a, an improved system. But let me uh, go to, uh, let's go to screen share. Yes. There we go. Can you see that? Yep. Okay. So that's, that's the, <coughs> the thumbnail of a video, but that's, that's the finished product. It, it looks, it's basically like a, Sandwich slash waffle maker, uh, you know, but it's that's the actually the uh, rocambolesque uh, 
logo there. And, and it's made exclusively for this uh, ice cream shop. And But what's interesting, though, is that they put this kind of neat video together, which shows – you see all the parts to it here. Can you see that? Yep. So they show all the parts, and they put this video where – all the parts kind of move by themselves into place until the final machine is done. And then they show, uh, and then they show the, uh, so basically you, you have a, a brioche with the ice cream in the middle and toppings, assorted toppings. Um, I, hold on, let me get rid of the music here, but, uh, let me go to where, so see, everything like kind of slides in and, but let me, uh, okay. So, so there's like what the finished product looks like. And so the ice cream is just barely runny in the middle. It doesn't, doesn't melt completely. It's, it's just, uh, and it warms the pastry around it. So between the art of cooking and the art of the video itself, which is pretty interesting, I thought it was something to share on uh, the podcast. So let me uh, get rid of this now. All right. And now I'm back. And the other thing I wanted to talk about was a podcast that I recently discovered via a, a tweet, uh, the 99% podcast, a 99% invisible podcast, uh, which, uh, is actually, uh, it started out as a, a project of KALW public radio and the American Institute of architecture in San Francisco. Uh, however, it's now a fully funded, uh, podcast, uh, the, it, it's funded through fans via Kickstarter and through podcast underwriters. Uh, there's also a four minute, 30 second version that airs as a segment of NPR's morning, morning edition uh, in some markets, but the podcasts are generally 15 to 20 minutes in length. And they're generally about design, but not just graphic design. It's about architecture, network and system design format, uh, Recent, recent shows have talked about hidden public staircases in neighborhoods of Los Angeles and San Francisco, uh, large-scale networks of pneumatic tube delivery systems, some of which are still active. Uh, and the one I shared uh, with John, or at least brought to John's attention, the broadcast clock. That guy... Beautiful, beautiful design. All of NPR programming, it, it, it lays out... Every segment, everything that needs to fall into place during an NPR program, and as the podcast explains, that hardly ever happens. Uh, but you know, they 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 make it work so that it seems like it is. Um, you know, segments segments do run short. Um, you know, somebody breaks out of something too fast, and you know they have to you know extend the the music buffer. Um, you know, that they, uh, yeah, that they were, you know, planning to play, you know, they may have been only planning 15 seconds, but now they have to run it for like 45 seconds. 
So it's and it's done in a very fun, engaging, and informative way. And it's uh, it's hosted by uh, Roman Mars, and it really gets you thinking uh, about form and structure of things. And um, it it really made me think about our, all the, the uh, discussions we had about tightening up technology in the arts. And I think we've we've done a little bit this year, but. Um, uh, I think we've done a great deal. I, I'm I'm very happy with the with the format that we have now. Yeah, but I mean, looking at that clock, it's like you know we could even tighten it up even more and 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 really make this, you know, like like an NPR program. You know, so that'd be uh, and I think we I think we we had elements of that in our first run because you know when we were doing the podcast and we could still do it in the podcast version because, you know, I could edit things in, but I'm, we're trying to make this as <laughs> low effort as possible since, you know, we don't have the time that we used to have back then. But, um, and I'm not sure we really had the time back then, but, uh, no, you made the time, but, but yeah, uh, undeservedly, but you know, we had a calendar segment. We had a, you know, we had an interview segment and, you know, we, we had a, a structure, but we, we didn't pay attention to a clock, and uh, I, I think you know if we pay attention, if we and he mentions that in that episode where you know podcasting, you know you, there's no need for the clock, but he's like I think the the I think the podcast would suffer if if it went any longer, um, you know. But you know, then again, here he is. He makes a four and a half minute version of this like generally fifteen to twenty minute podcast for NPR and it's uh you know and he's talking about the the challenges and and finding that four and a half minute you know cut you know yeah I, I was lucky enough uh to be at the McCarter Theater for uh a a live presentation of This American Life mm-hmm. uh with Ira Glass right and um it was really amazing to hear him talk about how that show comes together. And yeah. he didn't mention anything like this, you know, because it, it's so much about editing. But it was still interesting to hear how those segments came about. And he talked about the idea that, you know, very much like we have talked about, you know, you stumble upon something that is especially interesting. And, uh, begin to dive into that. You know, one of his early segments that he did, not for This American Life, but for uh, Morning Edition, was a story on uh, cleaning ducks or geese in an oil spill. And the idea that uh, one of the workers talked about uh, how they used Dawn, the, the uh, you know, the soap. Yeah. yeah, right. And how, you know, it did such a great job with removing you know, the grease and the oil from the birds. And uh, he, he sort of laughed and he was like, really, Dawn? You know, and it was like this little moment that he realized was the crux of the entire interview <laughs> and uh, really ran with it. And that was the thing that made the impression on listeners. So uh, the idea that, you know, using something like that in conjunction with, the construct that you shared 
is, uh, and I, I love NPR. I love what they do. All right. And there's actually, if you go to the uh, 99percentinvisible.org about page, uh, there's actually a, a, a quote from Ira Glass, 99% uh, Invisible is completely wonderful and entertaining and beautifully produced. And then there's another quote from Allison Arief, probably saying that wrong, uh, design columnist for the New York Times. Uh, and her quote is, Mars is the Ira Glass of design. So it's uh, it's really interesting the way... and, and like they had this uh, the story about the pneumatic tubes. Uh, they had these two people talking about their fascination with it, starting from their trips as a as a child with their with their mothers to the to the bank, and watching the the tube go up, you know, at the you know the drive through window, and uh, the drive up window, and. You know, they, they both and like they're, they 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 kind of go in and out of each other's stories, somewhat similar, and then they both end with, "It was like magic," and like they both said that, you know, so they like they had it like run at the same time. It's just very, just a very fun way of 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 listening to these stories and listening and and and, and gaining this information about uh, these really interesting topics. Um, there's actually one I, I listened to today on my uh, way up to my wild goose chase, goose chase up in New, uh, North Jersey. Uh, was about uh, the architect's code and how there's uh, I don't know if you know this, but the there's a architect's code where they are supposed to uh, you know design within the respect to human rights. Uh, there is a there's language in there about human rights and there. You know, are people wondering if architects should be involved in the design of, of prisons, of certain prisons, especially like supermax facilities where uh, inmates are rarely given opportunities to uh, be in the company of other inmates. And, and, and that in some respects... Um, you know, like Amnesty International and some some groups consider it torture, and you know they wonder, you know, can architects really design prisons if that is in the code? And and there's one uh, person, uh, uh, one of the uh, members of the uh, American Institute of Architects that wants to include prison-specific language in. Um, the architect's code. They want that. Um, well, it's inserted. it's very interesting. You know, I moved from a single home to an apartment, and very often that feels a little bit uh, dehumanizing. You know, there, there is not a lot of opportunity for you to interact with people in your living space when you are that separate. You know, it's, it's weird. I almost feel like I had more interactions with uh, people in my neighborhood in a single home neighborhood than I ever do in my apartment complex. And um, design could fix that. Right. Right. So it's really interesting. So, uh, the, like I said, the website is 99percentinvisible.org, and that's 99 and then percent invisible spelled out.org. And I'll put a link in the show notes. And, um, uh, 
yeah, it's it really gets you thinking about different kinds of design. Like you think of design as something you can see, or but the, the, some of this is a little more intangible uh, in, in terms of design. So it's it's a it's really really interesting podcast, and it's 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 starting to take up a lot of my time. Also, I'm, I'm listening to, trying to get really caught up on, on the Nerdist podcast lately. I don't know. Oh yeah. Have you ever listened to uh, Tom and Mike eat snacks? No, I haven't gotten to that one yet. I'll, oh, I'll please, it. Brian, such a great podcast. Like it, it is the model of success. Okay. It, it I, really I, is. I'm so disappointed because, you know, the, I still have decoder ring theater, but you know, the mustache Rangers are doing a lot of live shows and, they haven't done many podcasts lately. I really miss the Mustache Rangers. Uh, so I hope they. I still. I still hope they're going to continue doing podcasts, but they haven't done one in quite some time. I'm sure they will. So I, I miss that. So, but because they're taking some time off, I. And, you know, and they're usually short anyway. But uh, I'm trying to get caught up. You know, the Nerdist podcast though. They. They. Chris really needs to trim those. I mean, I love the conversations. They're. They're fascinating and they're interesting um they should make a they should make a vine version yeah (laughs) well i mean some i mean there was one by the way i mean still reeling from your vine edit of this podcast well i did this you saw the second one no you did another yeah i put it on the facebook page but you know what it i think because it's so short there was no like thumbnail it just showed up as a link I don't remember you sharing it. That's a shame. I, I would really like to see it. Uh, well, I guess we can't. Well, you can you can show the video. I, yeah, I could share. It. Nobody else would hear it, but I could share it with you. Hold on. I might as well do it now. Hold on. Let's see. Podcast listeners, this dead air is brought to you by Technology in the Arts. IKEA. <laughs> Oh, this is the first time I've ever actually gone to our YouTube channel while we were on the air, and I can see live now. It's really uh, yeah, it's it's like I'm looking at myself, looking at my, you know, looking back at myself. You are not sharing your screen, by the way. I know. Okay. I'm not ready to yet. Oh, okay. Brian, we are like the oldest married couple ever. Wait, what? We're like the oldest married couple ever. <laughs> Hold on, hold on, hold on. I'm gonna try to get my mic down so you so you can hear me knock my mouse onto the floor. <laughs> okay. Post production. That was graceful. Quite. And now my head is like. <laughs> uh, okay. Uh, screen share. Let's turn this up. I got my microphone right against. Have you ever like Googled yourself? And they were like, no. And I was like, you ought to try it. It's fun. (laughs) (laughs) I told you that was going to be the bottom cup. Oh, man. That's perfect. <laughs> oh, that's good. <laughs> I, 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 I didn't sense one today, 
but I'll, I'll have to when I when I go to edit the podcast, maybe I'll find one. I don't know. Maybe on the rants on the NSA. Probably. <laughs> Probably. Oh, that's hilarious. That's really good. You you are a masterful Vine editor. Yeah, and now I, now I just have to figure out how to get them onto Vine. I guess I could always just yeah shoot the video on my phone, but that would look yeah stupid. I don't know. But uh, people do it's it. More, people. It's more about the format than it is about the. Yeah, the, people. But know, people the, people do that. It's stupid. I I'm on Vine. I'm like, what, did somebody really just create a Vine video from something that was on TV? I'm like, of course. I, I, but those are not the successful ones. The, su- no. the successful ones are the ones that are edited for that purpose. But yeah, and and then get kicked off the service. Free Lillian Powers. Power Free Lillian. Lillian Powers. So, uh, all right. So, anything else tonight? Uh, let's see. Do we have anything else to talk about? I'm done. And look, it's an hour. We we actually yeah. we actually well we want it to be actually half hour or forty five minutes, but an hour is okay. That's that's better than we have been doing. Yeah, not horrible. No, I'm I'm good. We're good. Okay. So yeah, so go. I know you're gonna go back and watch. Go to the uh, YouTube channel and watch that six second cut over and over again. I will. You, do you want me to do the closeout for the first time ever? Well, you can't, uh, if you want. This concludes the episode, this episode of Technology in the Arts. Thank you for watching, and remember to visit us at technology, technologyinthearts.com, our Facebook page, which is lovely, the Google Plus page, <laughs> uh, on Twitter at, at tech underscore arts, our YouTube channel, where you can watch this incredible video. Uh, if you do a search on your favorite podcatcher, you can certainly do a search on uh, Technology in the Arts, and you'll find us. And really, you know, just do a search on Brian or me, and uh, you'll find us for sure. We hope you'll join us again when we return next week for Technology in the Arts. This is John Lamazdi. And this is Brian Kelly. Take care. Thoughts and views expressed by the hosts of Technology and the Arts do not necessarily represent those of guests of the program. Conversely, the thoughts and views expressed by guests of Technology and the Arts do not necessarily represent those of the hosts. For more information about the podcast you have just heard, please visit Technology and the Arts on the web at technologyandthearts.com.